Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, my name's Todd. For those of you I don't know, I'm the lead pastor. Really glad that you're here this morning. I don't know about you. It feels like, you know, here it is kind of, it's really like the official end of summer, it seems like. Um, I told my kids they, sh- they should be thankful because Atlanta schools started like three weeks ago. And uh, they got a little extra summer. How, how many of you start school tomorrow um, if you're a student in here and, and or parents? Go ahead, parents, you raise your hand because you start... W- <laughs> See, we do that, we get excited at the end of the school year that summer's here, and about a week later, we're like, when does it start again, okay? Sorry, students, kids, that's the way it is, all right? That's just the truth of the matter. How many of you start this week? How many of you start this week? All right, you got a few. How many of you start over the course of the next few weeks? All right, all right, very good, yep. Like next week, next Monday, a week from Monday. It's a new season, right? We're all excited. You're just so thrilled about school starting, right, students? Yeah, I can, your enthusiasm is overwhelming. Uh, so I thought, you know, this is amazing. Like, you know, it's kind of a new season. Here we are on the verge of, you know, fall beginning. Cooler weather is going to come in about three months. It's going to be great. So we're excited. Football season's about ready to get going, you know, and uh, it's, a, it's a new season. And um, as, as I think about, like, the newness of seasons and, um, and starting school and kind of, like, getting back into a schedule and, kind of routine, because, man, the summer is very hard sometimes um, to keep up that routine. I, I realize we, we need guides, right? We need a guide. We need a calendar. A lot of you use the old-fashioned, you know, written calendar. Some of you got the old, old school thing going on. Love it. It's great. Some of us use electronic calendars. Some of us have our, our wives or our spouses set up calendars. Some of us don't even look at what they do. So anyway, that's what happens sometimes. But we need tools there, um, and we need a guide. And today, we're going to be diving into Scripture to find out that God is known as our guide, And he's known in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, as a shepherd. In fact, probably one of the most numerous metaphors for who God is, is this idea of a shepherd. It's found all throughout the Old Testament, repeated many times in the New Testament. And today in our series called AKA God, we're looking at the fact that God is Jehovah Roy, and he is our shepherd. And that's what that Hebrew term means, Roy, means shepherd. And I don't know about you, but without the shepherd in my life, I'm lost. And that's what God does for us, is he guides us, he leads us. He's our shepherd. And so today we're going to be taking a look at what that means. We're going to primarily be in Psalm 23, one of the most familiar passages, and John chapter 10. We're going to be in both of those places, a few other little places in between as we continue in the series, a.k.a. God. All throughout Scripture, we see this idea of a sheep and a shepherd. And it's, it's maybe a metaphor, it's maybe an illustration that's um, a little bit foreign to us. And I've said this before, it's not like we drive around town, around Hilton Head, and we see a lot of sheep, do we? I mean, we just, it's not like a common sight. Um, some of you are like, yeah, there's vacationers, and they kind of are like sheep sometimes. No offense to vacationers, we love you guys, okay? So I know there's a few in here. But uh, so, you know, we don't see that a lot. We don't see sheep a lot. I remember the first time that I was kind of um, presented with seeing a, a, a flock of sheep like 
like I believe they saw in the days of the Old Testament and in the days of the New Testament where this was a very familiar metaphor or a very familiar illustration. And that was as when, when I went to Romania. And yes, I had seen it a few times before, but back in about 2000, and, uh, let's see, 2004, we went to Romania. And when we got to Romania, as we drove away from the airport and into um, kind of the countryside, we saw more and more and more sheep. And we would see shepherds guiding these herds or the flock of sheep around. And it was really amazing to me how many different shepherds there were and how many different group or flock of sheep they had. And they were going from place to place and kind of getting intermingled with each other. In fact, it was really interesting to me. I'd never seen this before. And I kid you not, some of you are going to think I'm lying, but I'm I'm really not. Um, their, Their sheep were spray painted with certain colors so that the shepherds could tell them apart. When they would gather together, all these different flocks coming together, they would get intermingled, and that was the way the shepherd knew which ones were theirs. And so then we later on, we went into the village, and we really got up close and personal with sheep, and there's one distinct memory I have from sheep that's overwhelming. This goes far beyond anything else, and that is, as you probably know what I'm going to say right now, it's the what? The smell. The odor. I think I heard someone say odor. It was the smell of sheep. Now, I think we often think when we hear about Jesus being the good shepherd or when we hear about the fact that God is our shepherd, we sometimes don't view it from their perspective. We sometimes don't think about the fact that he was the shepherd, that he is our shepherd, and that shepherd with their sheep, they put up with a lot of different things. They put up with a lot not the least of which is their smell. Margaret Feinberg has a fantastic book. Um, It's called Scouting the Divine. And she talks about three different metaphors that are used throughout Scripture. And the first one is this idea of sheep and a shepherd. And she goes into detail about her visit um, to a lady, a friend that she knew by the name of Lynn, um, who, who was a shepherdess um, in modern-day you know, United States of America up in Oregon. And she spent some time with Lynn. And I'm going to be using that today a little bit as kind of a platform of what we're going to be talking about today. And I want to read a few excerpts, the first of which... Um, Um, here from Scouting the Divine by Margaret Feinberg. She says this, Before my in-depth study, shepherds and sheep were merely token characters and a handful of biblical stories, part of the landscape, the lifestyle. Like the animal figures in my family's uh, Christmas crutch, they, they could be pushed to the back to make room for more central characters. But she says this, As I dug deeper, I began to realize that sheep are an integral part of the stories of God. The early church even embraced the shepherd as one of its primary images. And we, we see all throughout Scripture a couple different facts. And today I want to give you a couple different facts, a couple different big ideas, and then a bottom line to think about today. The fact is, is that um, we all are sheep. And we see in the Bible that we are compared to sheep and God and Jesus is compared to the good shepherd. And so we all are like sheep. In fact, Isaiah says we're all like sheep. And it says that we've gone astray, that we've been lost, that we've gone far from him. But he's the good shepherd and he brings us back in. 
Another thing that's a fact is, is that God sets himself up as the good shepherd. He is the one who's a shepherd, even all the way back to Ecclesiastes. And I'm going to come back to this particular verse in a moment. In Ecclesiastes 12:11, it says this. The words of the wise are like goads. We're going to talk about goads in a minute. And like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. And so today, what I want us to realize is that as people, we're lost. We're like the sheep, and God is like the shepherd. But what in the world does that mean? What does it mean that God is also known as the shepherd in our lives? And I think one of the probably most prominent passages that we can learn about the shepherd is probably one of the most familiar passages, and that's Psalm 23. And I want to read it this morning because it's going to be kind of our springboard passage for this morning along with John chapter 10. The psalmist writes this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to think about that. And we're going to kind of dissect this a little bit today, this passage, along with John chapter 10. But I want you to put yourself in the position of a shepherd first and foremost this morning. Think about what a shepherd goes through. Uh, The purpose of a shepherd's life is to care for the sheep, right? The purpose of the shepherd's life is to care for the sheep that are given to him and that are put in his care. His whole purpose, or her whole purpose in the case of a shepherdess, is to ensure that those sheep stay alive, that they're kept from harm, that they're fed, that they're protected, and they're taken care of. And I would imagine that a shepherd probably has moments of excitement and moments of jubilation and joy when they see maybe one who's been lost pulled back or one who might have been sick come back to good health or one who's been injured like Margaret Feinberg finds out in her book, Scouting the Divine, um, brought back to good health from an injury that it's had. I would imagine that there are times that there's joy and, and jubilation on the part of the shepherd. But I would also imagine the majority of the time, a shepherd is probably feeling emotions like loneliness, maybe even like emptiness, of maybe being isolated from the rest of the world. Perhaps the shepherd has moments of feeling fear and frustration because one has been lost and he has to go pull that one back in from the teeth of evil. And so I would imagine that a shepherd has a lot of emotions that we don't naturally think of. It's not something that's an exciting, fun job. It's, it's a thankless task to be a shepherd, to deal with sheep that uh, stink, that, that often wander on their own into danger without even realizing it. And I think it's so interesting that one of the most prominent names for God all throughout Scripture 
his shepherd. What does a shepherd do? What's their purpose? What's God's purpose with us? And today, I want to give you five things that I believe that the shepherd does for us. And there are five things that I think that we can hang on to, that we can know tomorrow. Guides, if you will. Kind of pivot points, if you will. So whether you came in here today and you don't know anything about God or Jesus, and this whole idea of Christianity is, is foreign to you, or whether you've been a Christian for a long time, you've, you've, you, know, you know the scriptures well, or whether you came in here today and... Um, maybe you were saved, you accepted Jesus as your Savior years ago, but you've wandered far off. Or whether you came in here today or, and, and tomorrow you start school or maybe you're going off to college or maybe tomorrow you're beginning a new career and you need a guide. You need someone, something to hang on to. Today I want to give us handles on what the shepherd does for us and it begins with leading by example. You see, the shepherd, our God, leads by example example. I think sometimes we miss that by example point. We miss the fact that he's leading us by example, but the shepherd leads me by example. Uh, Say that with me. The shepherd leads me by example. Check this out. Psalm 23 verses 2 and 3. I love this. It says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He What's that next word? Leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He, what again? Leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The implication in those two words there, when the writer of this psalm, when David mentions the word lead, is is that the shepherd is out in front, that he is walking along the path with us. He's not telling us, listen, he's not telling us where to go and pointing in that direction and saying that's where you need to be. He is out in front of us, leading us by example. That's why he decided to become human. That's why he decided to send his son to save this world from our sins. That's why he chose to put on flesh and bone and experience what life was like because he leads by what? Example. He leads us by example. A good shepherd is out in front of the sheep, not just showing them where the path goes, but they're walking along the path as well, guiding the sheep to safety. And so he leads us beside still waters He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We read a few moments ago, Ecclesiastes 12, 11. The words of the wise are like goads, and the nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They're given by one shepherd. A goad was a stick, and this was what you often see as the shepherd's staff. But what you may not realize is that often on a shepherd's staff, there was something at the end of that staff that would have very, very quickly gotten the attention of a sheep who began to wander. And part of God's leading, listen, I want you to hear this today. Part of God's leading is to, to um, you know, prick us, and that's what was at the end of a goad, was something that was sharp that would have gotten the attention of one of the sheep that would guide it back onto the path. 
And I don't know about you, but I often wonder when I get wrapped up in something where my eyes are focused on something that God doesn't want me to be focused on, that his word clearly says, you don't need to be focused on that. Your eyes need to be on me and my word. And I get my eyes off of him. There are times when I feel like I, I'm poked and, 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 and you know, God kind of like disciplines me. And I don't know about you, but I do not like that at all. But do you know why he disciplines us, church? You know why he reaches out with that goad, with something maybe sharp to get our attention? It's because he loves us, and he wants to lead us back to the path that's best for us. You see, the good shepherd's purpose and discipline is always to get us back on track because his motivation is that he loves us and that he cares for us. And when I know that, when I understand that, it's easier than for me to lean into the discipline that I'm receiving because I understand the good shepherd is leading me back to the path. He loves the sheep, the shepherd does, and part of his job is to discipline and bring them back, and he uses a goad to do that. That's why the writer of Ecclesiastes here says the words of Scripture, the words are, are, are of the wise are like goads because it helps us get back onto the path. And where is he t- trying to lead us to? He's trying to lead us, as Psalm says, to righteousness for his name's sake. And so the shepherd leads us by example. But the second thing that the shepherd does is he feeds the sheep. We can say that he leads and feeds the sheep. I love this because I love food. The shepherd feeds me with the good food. The shepherd feeds the sheep with the good stuff. You see, if the shepherd were leading us today, he would drive right past McDonald's and Crystal, and he would find the very best food for us. He'd go right to the place where we could get the best fruit, the most organic vegetables, the thing that would sustain us. And Psalm 23 talks about this too. He says, you prepare a table in verse 5, Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. And he says, my cup overflows. You see, a sheep, without the help of a shepherd, would probably die of starvation. Because the shepherd, in this context and in current context, leads the sheep to a pasture that's actually green, not one that's already been eaten up by another flock or by that current flock. He leads them to a place where there's the good stuff. And you may be here today, and you're like, yeah, I get the discipline thing. I've experienced that. Like, I understand that God loves me, and that's why he disciplines me, and he's leading me back onto the path of righteousness. But you might be here today, and you're like, man, I am spiritually starved Like, I am just dead. Maybe it's because you're following a different shepherd. He wants to lead you 
to paths of righteousness. He wants to, uh, uh, green pastures. He wants to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Isn't that incredible? To think about the fact that in the moment of danger, God's job, the shepherd's job, is to feed us. I like that. He feeds us the good food. The third thing is this, and I love this one. Man, the shepherd knows, knows my name. The shepherd knows my name. In a day and age where sometimes we feel like a number, we may feel like we're just kind of information. Whether it's at work or in a classroom or in society. We may feel like people use us. Society chews us up and spits us out. I want you to hear this. Please, church, do not miss this. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. He knows what you're going through today. He knows what you're going to go through tomorrow. He knows exactly the struggles you're going to have years and decades from today. He knows your name. In John 10, Jesus compares himself to the good shepherd in verses 14 and 15. He says this, I am the good shepherd. He says this, I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. I understand that sometimes you may feel like you are completely unknown to anyone, but the God of the universe, because he's the good shepherd, knows you, he knows your name, he knows how you tick, and he loves you, and he wants what's best for you. Margaret Feinberg said this, sheep and people share more in common than I ever dreamed. As we walk, Lynn, this lady that she was with, described each sheep she had over 20 sheep in, in her flock with the same tender affection and detail as a mother would describe her children. Where I saw a flock of sheep, Lynn saw individuals with unique characteristics and quirks. Her affection reminded me of the psalmist who describes every person as being known intimately by God, that's a passage from Psalm 139. Just as Lynn had a tender history with each of her sheep, each of us has a personal history with the shepherd, meaning God. He knows your name. He knows your name. The fourth thing is, is that the shepherd protects me from harm. The shepherd protects me from harm. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He says, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Do you realize that the same exact instrument that is used to correct and discipline is the same instrument that this writer in Psalm 23 says comforts him? Isn't that incredible? The same thing that God uses to pull us, to get our attention, to bring us back onto the path that he knows is best for us is the same thing that brings us comfort. I still don't like discipline, but man, that makes discipline that much better, doesn't it? To know that his purpose is that he loves us. And so the shepherd protects us from harm. 
John 10, 12 through 13 says, He who's a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Margaret Feinberg, in this illustration that she uses, talks about how over and over and over again, Lynn, the shepherdess, kept counting the sheep to make sure that she knew that they were all there. Kind of reminds me of when we were in Belize back in June. We had 20 people, and I remember Justin and myself and a couple of our other leaders, I'm like, we just need to count everybody all the time, like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, all the way up to 20, and I'm like, I've never counted to 20 so many times in my life. And finally, by the end of the trip, we were like, I think they're all there. Yeah, I think they're there. They're, I think we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> That's given our parents a lot of confidence about our mission trips, I think, isn't it? <laughs> uh, the good shepherd wants to make sure that he knows that you're there, that you're protected from harm. And then lastly, the shepherd is willing to die for me. John 10, 15 through 17 and 18 says this, Just as the Father knows me, and I know the sheep, and I lay down my life for the sheep, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. In verse 18, skipping down to verse 18, he says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. The shepherd is willing to die for the sheep. And our heavenly father decided that he was going to be such a good shepherd that he sent his son to die for us so that we, if we put our faith in him for eternal life, can have eternity in heaven with him when we die. You see, this idea of us being sheep and him being the shepherd is no small thing. It connects back to his redemption. It connects back to the redemptive nature of who God is. He's our shepherd and he was willing to die for us. And so he leads us and he feeds us and he knows our name and he protects us. The most significant thing that a shepherd does is he's willing to die for us. All throughout scripture, we see this idea of a shepherd. And in the New Testament, we see Jesus as the good shepherd. And then as the church begins to expand, we see this idea of a shepherd and the name shepherd given to those who were pastors. And that's how we who are pastors kind of think. We think of ourselves as shepherds. But I got to tell you, church, if you're looking to myself or Justin or any of our pastors here, Pastor Scott, any of our pastors, if you're looking to a mom or a dad, or if you're looking to someone in leadership in your organization or students, a, a teacher or a youth leader, we can do the best job that we can to shepherd you. But every one of us will ultimately fail you at some point. There is no replacement for the good shepherd. There's no replacement for the good shepherd. 
Most of you know I just got back from sabbatical, and one of the things on my sabbatical that God disciplined me about, that he, he really kind of opened some stuff up with me, was, man, you're called to be a shepherd. You've got you've to lead your sheep better. You've got to lead you know, your congregation better, your family better. And he worked on me in terms of being a shepherd. But as good as we may, as, as much as we may try and as good as we may be, there's no one who can compare to the good shepherd. There never will be any replacement for the good shepherd. And so my question to you today is who is your shepherd? Who's your shepherd? Because if there's anyone else in that position of shepherd, just like last week we talked about if there's anyone else in that position as king, ultimately they will fail you. He's the only one who truly leads perfectly, truly feeds perfectly, truly protects us perfectly, and who truly died for us perfectly. Without the shepherd, sheep are listless, starving, nameless wanderers, who easily get lost, make their own way to get stuck or injured, and become easy targets of evil. And I got to tell you, we as spiritual beings are just the same. We are spiritually listless and we're wanderers, and without the leadership of the Good Shepherd, we're lost. And we're easily taken up with evil. And my question to you today is who is your shepherd? Father God, I thank you so much that even though man may fail, even though governments may fail, even though leaders in our schools and in our churches may fail, God, I thank you today that the truth of your word is that you are the good shepherd. Jehovah Roy, thank you, Father God, that you lead us to a place by example, that you didn't just tell us where to go, that you led us to that place, that you are out in front of us, walking before us, and that all we have to do is be close enough to you to follow your lead. God, I thank you that you feed us, that you take us to spiritual nourishment. God, even when we're in those moments where our enemies are all around. You set a table before us. God, I thank you that what you want for us is something rich and whole. And God, we thank you that you're the kind of shepherd that protects us from harm, that you pull us back when we need to be pulled back, that you, you get our attention by goading us when we're off course that you lovingly pull us back to the path that you know is best for us. And God, I thank you most of all that you're the good shepherd and that you are willing to die on a cross for our sins. God, we thank you for that most of all. And God, I thank you that you're also known as our shepherd. And God, right now in this place today, God, I pray for those who may have walked in here and they've never accepted you as their savior. They've never really allowed the truth of that last fact that you died for us to become their rally cry, their life purpose. and God, I pray for those who may not have a relationship with you yet. I pray that today would be the day they say yes to you. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus your savior, I wanna invite you 
to make the good shepherd your savior today. The Bible says that if we call in the name of the Lord, that if we confess with our mouths that we're sinners and believe that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. And today, if you're here in this place and you're not 100% sure that if you died today that you would go to heaven, I want to invite you to ask Jesus to be your Savior, to make the choice to choose to be led by the Good Shepherd. I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and I just want to encourage you and invite you to pray it along with me. There's nothing magical about these words, but if you mean it, God hears it, and it's real. And I want to invite you to just pray something like this, just quietly, just you and God. God, thank you for making me. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. And today, right now, in this moment, I choose to make you my shepherd. I choose to accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. Help me now to live for you and allow you to be my shepherd every single day. If you pray that prayer in this place, um, I'm just going to ask you to look up at me for a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed. Just look up at me and just, if you would, just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand if you pray that prayer? Anyone else this morning? Keep those hands up for a moment. I just want to pray for you. I won't embarrass you or anything. God, I thank you for those who have their hands up right now. And I just pray in the strong name of Jesus, God, that you would anchor them to you and your word right now, that you would help them to develop a strong relationship with you. God, I thank you that today was their day of salvation. They put their faith in you. You can put your hands down. God, I thank you so much for that fact, and I pray that you would just lead them and that you would be their shepherd. If you came in today and you're already a Christ follower, and you're like, man, I've been having something or someone else in my life that's been leading me. I really, if I were really honest in this moment, I'm going to admit that work has been my shepherd. That school has been my shepherd. That I have someone that I know that isn't living according to God's word that I've made my shepherd. I'm following a path and I'm following someone or something that's not in alignment with who God is and what he's done. And I need to recalibrate. I need to to make him my shepherd so that I know that I'm led with love and, and fed and protected. And I understand all the great things that come with the fact that he died for me. If you're here today and you're a Christ follower and you just want to say, man, I've got to recalibrate, recommit my relationship with God right now. Would you just pray this prayer just silently, just you and God. Father God, help me to release the thing or the person that I've been following. And help me right now to follow you as the good shepherd. Help me to Read your word. Help me have the strength to obey it and to follow it. And God, may I be someone who says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life because I chose 
to make you my shepherd once again. God, help each one of us who's in here today to follow you with an authenticity and a genuine relationship with you, God. We thank you so much that you're the good shepherd, and we pray all this in Jesus' name.